Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. Our thanks to Adams Roban for that musical introduction. Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry, and with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. This week we've been looking at the book Saints, Boldly, Nobly, and Independent. It is the third of four books that are dealing with the story of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and we are zeroing in on a section of this third volume that began on page 130, dealing with Jane Manning James, who was described as one of the earliest black Latter-day Saints who passed away in her Salt Lake City home on April 16, 1908. It's not really the, the story of Jane Manning James and her testimony of the church, but it has to do with some of the things that she experienced in her life, not just at the hands of others who had prejudicial ideas towards her skin color, but also from the church itself. We've been focusing on page 132, where it mentions that 6th President Joseph F. Smith spoke at Jane Manning James' funeral, but it says over the years, Jane had sometimes sought his help in receiving temple ordinances for herself and her deceased family members. And it goes on to say that Joseph F. Smith could not oblige her in that request because the church at that time was restricting saints of African descent from holding the priesthood or receiving any temple ordinance except baptism for the dead. And the portion that comes next is what really bothers us, because this book says, Explanations for the restriction varied, but they were speculative, not the word of God. Now, we've already gone through showing that many of the leaders of the past felt that this restriction was of God, and they did have their reasons for why it was of God. So what we have here is with a waving of the hand, Latter-day Saints are expected to forget everything that was said by their leaders and merely classify those explanations as being nothing more than speculation. I don't agree with that. I, I think this is a, a case of gaslighting, and I think the church is not being honest when it comes to this. But then the next sentence goes on to say that Brigham Young had promised that all saints, regardless of race, would one day receive all the ordinances and blessings of the gospel. Now, isn't it odd, Eric, at one point in this very paragraph, they're making it sound like whatever Brigham Young said regarding the reasons for blacks not holding in the priesthood, you're not supposed to believe that. That's all speculation. But now in this sentence, they're going to cite Brigham Young, who promised that all saints, regardless of race, would one day receive all the ordinances and blessings of the gospel. And somehow that's not speculation. You see, when it seems to work in their favor somehow, we're going to accept that. But when it goes against our image and what we want people to believe today, don't believe that. Well, why would you assume that what Brigham Young had to say about eventually blacks holding the priesthood is something that's beyond just mere speculation? What bothers me about them citing this is this is not the first time they have taken Brigham Young out of context. For instance, in 
Declaration number two, which is found at the back of every edition of the Doctrine and Covenants, it talks about this very same issue. What does it say in Declaration number two, which of course is the declaration dealing with the lifting of the prohibition of blacks holding the priesthood? And that first presidency is Spencer W. Kimball, 12th president, N. Eldon Tanner, and Marion G. Romney, and they had written aware of the promises made by the prophets and presidents of the church who have preceded us that at some time in God's eternal plan, all of our brethren who are worthy may receive the priesthood. Now, let's put it all in perspective. Let's put it in its proper context. Since Brigham Young's name was actually used on page 132 to say that someday was coming when all saints, regardless of their race, will receive the ordinances and blessings of the gospel, which include the temple ordinances. This is what Brigham Young taught on October 9th, 1859. Why should we take notice of that date? October 9th, 1859 was a conference day. Brigham Young is speaking in general conference. That gives what he says much more strength and what much more authority when it comes to the contents of his speech or his talk. How do we know this? Well, what did George Q. Cannon have to say about general conference messages, Eric? He said, conference addresses are word of Lord. This church has been continually led by the spirit of revelation. The spirit of revelation has been here in our conference. The addresses that have been delivered have been made under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, and they are the word of God unto this people, binding upon them, and they will be judged by these words that we have heard. If we do not listen to these instructions and counsels and abide by the word of God, as it is given to us from time to time, we shall be held to a strict accountability. And that's found in Gospel Truth, Discourses and Writings of President George Q. Cannon, Volume 1, page 329. And he says this in the year 1900. Now, some might say, well, maybe he's only referring to that particular general conference. Doesn't sound like it. He says the church has been continually led by the spirit of revelation. And the spirit of revelation has been here in our conference. Sounds like that's like a blanket statement over all the general conferences. But if you don't want to agree with me on that assumption, then we can go to 11th President Harold B. Lee, who said, If you want to know what the Lord has for his people at the present time, I would admonish you to get and read the discourses that are delivered at general conference. For what the brethren speak by the power of the Holy Ghost is the mind of the Lord, the will of the Lord, the voice of the Lord, and the power of God unto salvation. This was a conference message that Harold B. Lee gave in April of 1973. Are we going to say because this took place in 1973 that everything he had to say about General Conference, as well as what George Q. Cannon had to say about General Conference, is no longer valid? I don't think most Latter-day Saints would go that far. But then when you have Dieter F. Uchtdorf, who in March of 2012 was reported in the Ensign Magazine on page 5, listen to General Conference with an ear willing to hear the voice of God through his Latter-day prophets. So we see General Conference is pretty important to Latter-day Saints. I say that because what I'm about to read to you 
was a conference message that Brigham Young gave on October 9th, 1859. This is what he said. You see some classes of the human family that are black, uncouth, uncomely, disagreeable, and low in their habits, wild, and seemingly deprived of nearly all the blessings of the intelligence that is generally bestowed upon mankind. The first man that committed the odious crime of killing one of his brethren will be cursed the longest of any one of the children of Adam. Cain slew his brother. Cain might have been killed, and that would have put a termination to that line of human beings. This was not to be. And the Lord put a mark upon him, which is the flat nose and black skin. Trace mankind down to after the flood, and then another curse is pronounced upon the same race, that they should be the servant of servants, and they will be until that curse is removed, and the abolitionists cannot help it, nor in the least alter that decree. How long is that race to endure the dreadful curse that is upon them? That curse will remain upon them, and they never can hold the priesthood or share in it until all the other descendants of Adam have received the promises and enjoyed the blessings of the priesthood and the keys thereof. Until the last ones of the residue of Adam's children are brought up to that favorable position, the children of Cain cannot receive the first ordinances of the priesthood. They were the first that were cursed, and they will be the last from whom the curse will be removed. When the residue of the family of Adam come up and receive their blessings, then the curse will be removed from the seed of Cain, and they will receive blessings in like proportion. Did you notice what Brigham Young has to say about the specifics of the lifting of this alleged curse? Certain things have to happen. One of the main things that has to happen is that all of the other descendants of Adam must receive the promises and enjoy the blessings of the priesthood and the keys thereof. Until that happens, there's not going to be a lifting of the curse, but that has not happened. It certainly did not happen in 1978 when the church changed its position on this. So when they say Brigham Young said that there was going to be a day when all of the saints, regardless of race, would one day receive the ordinances and blessings of the gospel, they leave out some important facts, don't they? There were certain conditions that had to be met first, and those conditions have not been met as of now. And according to Joseph Fielding Smith, it sounds like for sure it's not going to happen during our lifetime. In his book, Answers to Gospel Questions, Volume 2, page 188, Joseph Fielding Smith addresses this very issue. He said, Because of transgression in the first estate, which deprives him in the second estate, and we should explain, the first estate would be mankind's pre-existence. The second estate is our mortality. He goes on to say, Since Cain slew his brother Abel in order to obtain all the rights of priesthood, To descend through his lineage, the Lord decreed that the children of Cain should not have the privilege of bearing the priesthood until Abel had posterity who could have the priesthood, and that will have to be in the far distant future. Smith went on to say, when this is accomplished on some other world, 
then the restrictions will be removed from the children of Cain who have been true in this second estate. Did you catch what he says here? He says, when this is accomplished on some other world. Now, it's interesting. They want to take what Brigham Young says about the lifting of the restrictions as not being speculation, but yet they take him out of context in order to make it sound palatable to members. They can say, well, Joseph Fielding Smith must not have known what he was talking about. That was just mere speculation. But who is it today that can make that kind of decree to where members are all of a sudden supposed to just forget everything that was said in the past? As we mentioned yesterday, Eric, they were living when they made these comments. At this time, Joseph Fielding Smith was an apostle in the church. He was writing a column for the Improvement Era, and he was answering questions that saints were sending to him. And if you read the first edition of Answers to Gospel Questions, which is a compilation of some of the answers that he gave to people writing him in the Improvement Era, which was a periodical that preceded the Ensign, he was commended for his answers as giving answers that were pertinent to the doctrine that Latter-day Saints were supposed to believe. But now we're supposed to assume, I guess, everything was speculation. Are we going to say that just about everything that Joseph Fielding Smith had to say about the priesthood and the black prohibition and so forth, we just get rid of it? This is what the leadership wants the membership to believe. They want to believe that living prophets have the power to speak on behalf of God, but when they speak as living prophets, it's okay till they die. That's just not truth as we understand it. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism.